Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala states in the Quran, أَلَمْ يَأْمِ لِلَّذِينَ آمَنُوا أَن تَخْشَعَ قُلُوبُهُمْ لِذِكْرِ اللَّهِ Has the time not yet come for believers' hearts to be humbled by the remembrance of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala? As the world watches in horror at the scenes unfolding in Gaza, it is no secret that hearts around the world have been shaken and awakened. What role do calamities play in shaping our hearts? And how do we find closure amidst the chaos we are seeing today? Joining us today to help us answer these questions and more is Sheikh Ammar Shukri, originally from New York City, now a director at Al Maghrib Institute and Imam at Clear Lake Islamic Center. And of course, a notable poet who penned the collection, What the Pen Wrote. Sheikh Amar Shukri, Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. I wasn't expecting you to start with that verse. Yeah. But I actually have a poetic uh, tafsir of beautiful, that. Beautiful, beautiful. I actually saw uh, Mufti Mek gave you a bit of a shout out on his page. Yeah, yeah. A yeah, secret. Yeah. Uh, I was just in Nigeria, uh, I don't know, uh, a week ago, inshallah, yeah. from the time of this recording. Mm-hmm. But um, that verse is obviously a beautiful verse. Mm. It's verse 16 and 17 of Surah. Uh, Al-Hadid, Al-Hadid, chapter 57. And so many people repented because of that verse. Do you start every halaqah with this verse? Every session, sorry? You start no, actually, I, I felt like it was a very befitting verse to begin a podcast on reviving dead hearts. Uh, so many of the stories of the setup, such as Malik ibn Dinar and Fudayl ibn Ad and many others, they repented to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala because of that verse. So it's it's a... Uh, it's a special verse when it comes to just repentance. And so the the verses that I have, Ibn Mas'ud, he mentions and he says that this verse was revealed four years after we had become Muslim. So I want you to imagine like when you're a new Muslim, you're still super energetic, you're super, but he says four years later, Allah revealed this verse and he said, has not the time come for those who have believed that their hearts be softened to the remembrance of Allah? And so what about us who've been practicing for 10 or 20 Mm. or 30 years? We have even more need for the reviving of of dead hearts. So I say, a divine rebuke cast in a shade of love. Hasn't the time come for those who have believed that their hearts be softened to the remembrance of the above? Hasn't the time come for them to stop the plate? Haven't they had their fill of chasing dunya in every way? Haven't they seen that all the faces and places they confuse for oasis are mirages that fade, that none ever stay? Are they done chasing falsehood? Are they ready for the truth that will give them happiness in this life? In the next eternal youth, the seeker knows that in the remembrance of God is a lifeline to the heart and a tongue moist with his dhikr speaks light into the dark. And it goes on. Wow, that's so beautiful. So you're like compiling a diwan of Ammar al-Shukri. Is this what's going on? I am working on a project called, I won't mention the name, but Mm -hmm. it's going to be Poetic Tafsirs of the Quran. Top secret. I'm I'm really looking forward to this. This is like perhaps Ihsan in a nutshell of literally taking your craft. You've definitely got a skill at poetry and taking it to the absolute pinnacle, right? Well, I think everybody has to find... What my friend uh, Bilal Khan says is your superpower. What's your superpower? Mm. Everybody has a unique certain skill set that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gave you. 
And one of the problems that people have is that they try to fight against what their superpower is because they try to be somebody else. You look at a talent that somebody else has, and then you spend a lot of time trying to have that person's talent. Mm. So I'm not an academic. That's not my skill set. That's not my natural inclination to sit there and write research papers. But if I look at other brothers who are academics and say, why can't I do what they Mm. do? It's like, why? They can't do what I do, and I can't do what they do. So let me do what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gave me as far as gifts and just try to work on that. Well, and I think that's so important for us to recognize who we are. And you do you. Yeah. You do what you're good at. Nobody you else can be at. you but you. So. SubhanAllah. And that's beautiful. Definitely been a fan for a long time. Sheikh, you mentioned at the start that this verse was revealed, what was it, four years? Yeah. After this, after. Yeah, Abdullah ibn Saud is the sixth person to accept Islam. So this is very early. Very early in yeah. the stages of Islam. And perhaps one of the, Interesting aspects of this verse. It says that, and do not become like the people that were given the book. You know, time has has played its toll on the people and their hearts became very hard. And we see that as human beings, naturally, if we reflect on the early stage of us becoming more practicing, we remember those days of having intense passion, enthusiasm for Islam. We're energetic. We have all this energy. We have this buzz going on about our Islamic practice. But then as the days go on, as the years go by, we do realize that our hearts become hardened. But then when we look at like what's happening in Palestine, what's happening in Gaza, I feel like this actually helps my iman. Like it helps revive my iman as, as I guess as you know, morbid as that may sound. Yeah. But it feels like these calamities are bringing so many people closer to Islam, including 100%, myself. 100%. It's like that, you know, that statement that's gone viral pretty much where mm. You know, people are trying to free Palestine, but Palestine is freeing us. Palestine is freeing us from the hedonism. If you just look at what we were, we were involved with and concerned about before, you know, this all happened. You know, it was business as usual. And now the entire ummah, the entire world, and it had to be Palestine because there's nothing else that unites the entire ummah like Palestine does. Mm-hmm. There's nothing that's clear oppression than Palestine is. And so you have an entire generation of young people who are all reporting for duty, so to speak. Everybody is paying attention. Everybody is aware. Everybody is concerned. People are um, people are coming closer to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and people are coming closer to Islam because of it. Not just non-Muslims, but the Muslims mm-hmm. at the beginning. I guess it's, it's this shake. It's this shake in this ummah that's essentially reviving so many of us, myself included. And... The beautiful thing for me is the next verse. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, Allah says, know that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gives life to the earth after its demise. And so there's two things to pay attention to. Number one is that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala speaks to the importance of dhikr. And you'll find that people who lose out on that spirituality where they fell short is the dhikr of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And that's why dhikr is such an important sustenance for your spirituality, that you pay attention to making the adhkar of the morning, that you pay attention to having a daily devotional with the Qur'an, that you pay attention to making the adhkar of the evening, that you pay attention to sitting after the salah and just making your adhkar. And you'll find that spirituality, real spirituality is not that a person have the beard and the kufi and the thobe and know the lingo and things like that, Mm. but it's that a person remembers Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And that's why the Prophet whenever people would come to him and complain about being too uneducated, being too busy, being too old, he would constantly tell them, 
make sure that you make a lot of dhikr of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. The dhikr of Allah is the thing that balances out that heedlessness of the heart. To have that, I guess, that real strong connection with the dhikr of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And on that point, obviously right now, we are seeing the people of Gaza suffer. We're seeing the people of Palestine go through one of the most dreadful calamities I've witnessed perhaps in my entire life. Yeah. And on saying that, we are seeing the dhikr of Allah play a profound role in the lives of these people to the extent that we can utter the phrase Hasbi Allah wa wakil. We can utter the phrase inna lillahi wa inna lillahi raji'oon. We can utter all these phrases, but just seeing them find so much comfort in the dhikr of Allah, it speaks volumes. Yeah, they're they're incredible. I mean, uh, may Allah protect and preserve and have mercy on the martyrs of Gaza and grant us all the happiness of seeing an immediate ceasefire, inshallah ta'ala. But they've inspired the world, not just the Muslim world, they're inspiring the non-Muslim world that you know we're all aware of, of people accepting Islam on social media just because they're seeing this incredible resilience and mm-hmm. more importantly, the contentment with the decree of Allah, even as their entire families are being taken away. People are saying, I am content with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in what he gives and what he takes. And that comes from that strong connection that they have with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. The dhikr of Allah that they're making is something that's not just something that's pronounced on the tongue, but it's emanating from a deep belief that they have of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and a spiritual sustenance that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is giving them as he is putting them through that crisis and that and that calamity. Because Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, he says, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala doesn't burn doesn't burden a person with more than what they can bear. Mm. And so when Allah puts you through a trial, he also gives you the tools to be able to pass that trial. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is aiding them. People are asking, where's the aid of Allah? Allah, You're seeing the aid of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala because that is not normal. What they're going through is not normal, but also the way that they're responding to it. Yeah, it's just a powerful way to just see them demonstrate. Like it's not just words that they're uttering on their tongues. Not at all. These are like profound concepts that they are living in real life and demonstrating to us what it means to firmly believe that, you know, Allah is our aid, Allah is sufficient for us. Hasbi Allah wa ni'mal wakil. Allah is enough for us. Like it feels just so much more different when it comes from them knowing full well that they have literally been cut off from everyone and everything, from every source, from every government, from every power. They've been cut off from everything, cut off from food, water, and literally they have nothing but Allah. It's, it's and it's profound. scary, Sheikh. It's mm. really scary because you know, when you read the tafsir, for example, of Surah Al-Fil, mm. one of the interesting things is that the people of Mecca left Mecca. They went into the mountains. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala defended the house himself. And some of the mufassirin, they mentioned that if just one of the people or two or three or four of the people of Mecca happened to decide we're going to go and defend the Kaaba and they went out and they met Abraha, and then the, the birds came, like that would have been an incredible honor for Quraysh. Mm. It would have been like the greatest day ever for Quraysh mm. that Allah sent support for them. But Allah did not give them that honor. They were not deserving of that honor of defending his house. And so it makes you feel sad that you... It makes you feel sad at the idea 
that maybe we are not given the honor of defending Al-Masjid Al-Aqsa. We're not given the honor of defending Gaza in the way that we would like. And so we try as best as we can to support in whatever way that we can. May Allah use us for the support of Ameen. the people of Gaza. May Allah Ameen. allow us to be of assistance to the people of Gaza. And Ameen. may Allah make us worthy of, of this. Ameen. I think that's very important for us to genuinely and sincerely make that dua. Sheikh, I know that you've been to Palestine many times. Yeah. Am I correct? Yeah. One of your videos actually went viral when you paid a visit to a, a restaurant owner. Yeah. Abu Khadija. May Allah preserve him and his family. You know, Palestine is really, really, it's a really powerful experience. It's a really powerful experience to go because, and this was before all of this, but the reality is it's not just Gaza. You know, the the general sentiment that Zionists like to present is that if it was if it's if it wasn't for Hamas, then you know, um, everything would be fine mm-hmm. and everything would be dandy. But people are are going through incredible brutal occupation in the West Bank and in East Jerusalem and and everybody has stories. Everybody has either been imprisoned or they have an immediate family member who's been imprisoned or they're being fined or their life is made difficult in some circumstance. And you see them continue to overcome and you see them continue to persevere because of Al-Aqsa. That's it. You know, and so you have someone like Abu Khadija who's been offered, he's a restaurant owner, very small cafe in Jerusalem, in the old city. And he happens to have tunnels. You know, he discovered that he has tunnels that run from the time of the Crusaders that run through different ports, to, that they run to different areas of the city, very strategic areas of the city. So it goes to the Church of the Holy Sepulchre, it goes to the 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 Western Wall, it goes to um, uh, other aspects of the city. And so he was offered upwards of $30 million to sell. And this is a guy who has a cafe in the morning. He doesn't even have a license to make it a restaurant for the rest of the day. They don't give him that license. He doesn't make a lot of money. He's uh, overwhelmed with taxes and fines. And his father told him, you can't sell this cafe because it doesn't belong to you, it belongs to the Ummah of Muhammad And you get that sense from them that they are holding onto their properties, they're holding onto their houses because it is the Ummah, it's the Ummah's wealth, it's not their wealth. And you hear stories and you meet people, you know, some of them are American citizens. They either grew up in the United States or, and they choose to live under occupation because of Al-Aqsa. We, 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 we met, uh, you know, a wonderful doctor who is medically licensed a number of times over in the United States. He would be very wealthy if he just, you know, practiced in the United States, but he moved to Palestine and he opened up a clinic in the West Bank and he treats people there to his, at his own expense many times, his own personal expense. And, you know, he lives under occupation, him and his family and his kids. And when we asked him, why do you do that? He said, you know, it's it's not a comfortable life. That's what he said. He said, it's not a comfortable life, but it's a happy life. Mm-hmm. And he was like, in the United States, you have comfortable lives, but people aren't happy. Just the idea of me coming and praying Fajr al-Aqsa is more beloved to me. And that's what the Prophet ﷺ said in the hadith that's reported by al-Hakim. He said that there will be a time when a person, if they have what's equal to just a rope, 
through which they're able to see Al Masjid Al Aqsa becomes more beloved to them than the world and everything in it. Yeah. And so these people with their little one bedroom apartments, if they're able to pray at Al Aqsa, it's more beloved to them than the world and everything in it. No, they're a special people and they've done a phenomenal a phenomenal job of literally reviving our hearts yeah. through this calamity that they are going through, through their ability to demonstrate Iman, through their ability to demonstrate Aqeedah to us on you know in a practical sense, in a, in a real life demonstration. It's done wonders for the Iman of so many people and it's revived a lot of us, I would have to say. Absolutely. Alhamdulillah. And, and just... Patience and endurance and perseverance. Of course, we've all, you know, I'll be honest, I avoided watching the video of the man who called his granddaughter Ruh al-Ruh, the soul of my soul. I avoided. I I I avoided it because I have a five-year-old daughter. And I'm just, it's for me, it, it was just going to be too much. And I I got a gist of from what I was seeing from other people, but Eventually, it just overwhelmed my my timeline, and and I watched it. And it was his poise, his patience, his smile is unbelievable. For him to not be carrying the anger that you would expect from somebody who lost his grandchildren, his grandchildren, Tariq and Dream, and for him to be already just walking around with her earring on his you know, as a pin that he's wearing and he interviews with this 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 beautiful smile. I don't know where he gets it from. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala bless him and bless his family and bless them all. SubhanAllah. Yeah. You know, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, he speaks about instances like this that are used to increase our iman when the whole world turns against us. Yeah. These are these are moments that essentially would would cause any normal human being to become despondent when the when the world's uh, powers come gather against you and the people tell you to fear these people they would cause any normal person to become despondent to become fearful but they are in fact moments that cause the, they cause the sahaba to increase in iman and they're causing the palestinians to increase in iman yeah, it's uh, causing the ummah to increase in iman mm-hmm. as well you know, the, the Ummah itself has been doing an incredible job of uniting and continuing to share and continue to 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 raise volume, you know, in cities throughout the world where you've never seen. I know, for example, I live in Houston. People are trying so hard, you know, in organizing and, and putting together protests and putting together you know we've put up billboards in houston we never i have never seen billboards go up in houston before but now billboards alhamdulillah have gone up you know in support of the palestinian cause this is a a mobilization and an energy that everyone who is able to is 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 trying and may allah subhanahu wa ta'ala accept from us all whatever it is that we're able to do and the du'as that we're making but the of course, I, th- those with the greatest share of that are the brothers, sisters, and Palestine yeah. who are who are literally sacrificing their lives. Sheikh, you mentioned du'a, and I know that you have a phenomenal project for a mindful prayer, yeah. teaching people how to pray, become mindful in their prayers, and of course, part of the prayers, du'a, and to to call upon Allah. But I guess a lot of people at home do feel despondent in their du'a. 
do feel as that look i'm calling upon allah it's not working you know we saw what happened in syria for 11 years we called upon allah ya allah when will the nasr come ya allah allow us to experience yani relief for this ummah that is going through so much hardship and now as this crisis goes into almost two months now where we're a couple of days away from two months of this crisis and we're still wondering where is the help of Allah? So how does one not become despondent in this du'a, which unfortunately is starting to surface? Well, your relationship with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is not that mechanical and it shouldn't be that mechanical where it's, I put in five du'as so I should receive one nasr mm. by now, or I put in 10 du'as and I should receive one nasr. You have to realize that you asking Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in and of itself is an act of worship and that's why you're here. I'm here not so that I could receive this particular version of Nasr. We are all here to worship Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and it's going to manifest in different things. I think studying Surah Al-Buruj is helpful in that. You mm. should know Surah Al-Buruj has a story of genocide that happens. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, Qutil ashab the people of Ukhdud were killed. They're cursed. And these people, the people who committed that genocide, they're cursed. And the only reason why they hated that believing community, short version of it is that it's a believing community. A king commanded them to worship him. They refused. He then commanded for trenches to be built, filled them with fire. And those people were then thrown into it. They were exterminated. It was a genocide. It was a stain on human history. And they got no support. There was no, there was no hashtag for them. There was no relief that came to them. They lost in the worldly sense. They were just exterminated. And Allah Subhanahu wa Taala says, The only reason why they were hated is because they believed in Allah Al Aziz Al Hamid, the Mighty and the Praiseworthy. And I'm always, you know, because I teach on the names of Allah, mm -hmm. I'm always paying attention to the names used. The names used. And Surah Al-Buruj is the only place that has, in Juz Amma, in that 30th Juz, that has pairings of names. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says the only reason why they were hated is because they believed in Allah, the mighty, the praiseworthy. Why does Allah use these two names? I found Imam Al-Razi said that the reason why he used Al-Aziz, the mighty, is to indicate that he had the power to stop it. Don't think that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala did not have the power to stop that Genocide. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala could have caused the fire to be cool and peaceful like he did for Ibrahim. Allah could have caused the king to die the day before. Allah could have caused the, the soldiers to refuse. Allah could have caused a, a million different scenarios. He allowed for it to happen and he is praiseworthy in allowing for it to happen. Why is he praiseworthy to allow it to happen? Because the consequences are praiseworthy. For a person to be martyred and enter into paradise, that is a praiseworthy consequence. Abu Bakr has a beautiful statement. He says, There is no harm in any harm that leads to paradise. And there is no good in any good that leads to the hellfire. If a person goes through the worst circumstance, but it causes them to enter into Jannah, then there was no badness in it. But not only that, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala of the praiseworthy consequences is that it allows for criminals to really fill their ledger with evil. And so these people now, these war criminals in Palestine, I mean, now they have the most heinous crimes, the bombing of hospitals, the killing of children, the bombing of refugee camps. Mm. Now that is established. Mm. 
there's no hiding from that. It's in it's in HD, it's in 4K, it's all recorded on social media. And so Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is allowing for them to fill their ledger with the worst of war crimes. And if they do not meet the courts of law here, public opinion and all of that, then they are going to meet Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala with that on the day of judgment. And by the way, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala never mentions what happens to that king in Surah Al-Buruj. Mm. He doesn't mention that, and the Sunnah of the Prophet never mentions anything that happens. For all we know, that king could have lived for another 30 or 40 years and had crushed that community and thought to himself that he's the man and that's it, you know? But Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, And Allah is a witness over everything. And so that's the, that's the consolation. That Allah is a witness over everything. That person is going to meet Allah mm-hmm. subhanahu wa ta'ala. And everybody who commits a crime, they can turn off the internet. They can turn off everything. They can think that it's in the dark. But Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is a witness over everything. Uh, Allah is watching what they do. And I guess that that's a comfort to the believers. And also another comfort to the believers is to know that there is a day of judgment. I personally don't know how you can watch all this unfold and not believe in a day of judgment. And not believe in a hellfire, mm. right? Because, you know... A year ago, we're sitting and we're, t- you have some Muslims who say, I don't understand why there could be a hellfire. Hmm. And now you have people saying the hellfire makes sense yeah. because there are some people who are so evil and they've they've committed such crimes that even if they were to simply die, that wouldn't be enough. Hmm. There has to be a, there has to be a punishment for that. Sheikh, I was actually thinking about this and one of the crazy things about Gaza is that it's a real life hellfire it's like a living hell when you think of it they're being cut off from water just like in jahannam people are cut off from water they're cut off from all sides they're screaming with no one to help like these are literal descriptions of jahannam they are calling upon people they are not being answered they are locked off on all sides this is a literal jahannam right right there and you know no food no water Mm. and then you begin to think hang on you know the same people that put people in a living hell, what punishment could they possibly have to recompense? But that's also one of the wisdoms, which is that I think for the young generation Mm -hmm. coming up is that it's really allowed for them to see that there is such a thing as evil Mm -hmm. in this world. And you need a crisis for people to be able to see something like that, that there is something called evil, that there are shalteen of Mm -hmm. the ins, that they Mm -hmm. are human devils that the Quran mentions in real life. And that not... And and that one of the the virtues of fitan, one of the benefits of fitan is that it allows for the exposing of what's in people's hearts. And so you might have somebody who you thought was a very nice person, they're a great person, and then all of a sudden now you see them defending this completely unilaterally. They don't care about whatever crime is committed, and they justify it. And they will. and then you see other people who, of course, you may not have known has so much goodness in their heart, and yet you see them come and defend and support our brothers and sisters in Palestine. So, may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala grant our brothers and sisters in Gaza aid and sustenance and safety and security. Sheikh, obviously dua is one of the key components of the believer right now. Yeah. This is definitely a time for dua. You've obviously done a course on the names of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. If I mention a few names right now. Okay. And tell us how they apply to the current situation. Okay. Let's go with Al-Qarib. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is near. 
a person comes closer to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala by doing what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala loves, and a person takes advantage of the closeness of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in certain moments when making dua, so you know that you're close, Allah is closer to you, He's closest to you when you're in sujood, so make a lot of dua in sujood. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala descends in the last third of the night in a matter that befits His Majesty, so taking advantage of the last third of the night. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's closeness is sought by doing what he loves, doing the obligatory actions, because the Prophet ﷺ says in the Hadith Qudsi, No one comes closer to me by doing anything more than the obligatory actions. Those are the things that are most beloved to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So taking advantage of the things that bring you closest to Allah and taking advantage of the times in which Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is closest to us in making dua. Definitely. A time to come closer to Allah. We'll go with Al-Mujib. Al-Mujib is a beautiful, beautiful name of Allah. It means the one who responds. And so taking advantage of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala being Al-Mujib, the one who responds by invoking him and calling upon him. The example that I give people is I say, you know, we all have somebody who we know that with a single wire transfer could make us financially successful for the rest of our lives, financially comfortable mm. for the rest of our lives. So people say someone like Elon Musk or they'll say someone like Jeff Bezos or someone like that. Okay, so why haven't you sent them a DM asking them to send that wire transfer? And the answer mm. is because we don't expect that they would respond. And so the expectation of response directly inspires the desire to ask. Mm. So when Allah calls himself in Mujib, he is inviting you to ask. Mm. So the question then that you have to ask yourself is, honestly, over the past seven days, for example, how much do I have I made for Palestine? And if it's not been a lot, if I haven't been dedicating du'as in my sujood, in every salah for Palestine, that I'm falling short of what I need to be doing. Mm. And I need to make sure that I'm doing that. Let's take, for instance, Al-Qahar. So the overpowerer, the cons- the consistent overpowerer. So every time you come with these names that have to do with Allah's power, there's two fruits that are constant, whether it's Al-Aziz or whether it's Al-Qahar or whether it's Al-Jabbar, the mighty and the consistent overpower, mm. the consistent compeller. And those two fruits are, number one, that you never feel overpowered because behind you is a lord who is overpowering so i never feel that i am weak allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is the overpower no matter who is against me allah is stronger than them mm. and the second fruit is that i never feel deluded by my own power because sometimes i'm the powerful mm-hmm. one i'm the powerful one in my relationship i'm the powerful one with my my employees, I'm the powerful one with regards to my children, I'm the powerful one in whatever capacity. I never abuse my power because behind this person is a Lord who is overpowering. Mm. So the first fruit is tawakkul, I rely upon Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, and the second fruit is taqwa, that I fear Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala because he's the overpower, especially our brothers and sisters in Palestine, undoubtedly, the source of their sumud their resilience, their strength, even though they have no quote-unquote material power Mm. compared to the people who are occupying them, is that they believe that there is a Lord behind them who is overpowering. Yeah, One of the secrets behind their power. Absolutely. We'll end off with one last name of Allah, one of my personal favorites, Al-Muhaymin. Al-Muhaymin. 
the one who watches over everything. Al-Muhaymin. Imam al-Shafi'i says, إن كنت غدوت في الذنوب جليدا وتخاف في يوم المعاد وعيدا فقد أتاك من المهيمن عفوه وأفاض من نعم عليك مزيدا لا تيأسن من لطف ربك في الحشا في بطن أمك مضغة ووليدا لو شاء أن تصلع جهنم خالدا ما كان ألهم قلبك التوحيدا He says if you are someone who's skillful in acquiring sins and fear a day of recompense and threat then know that Al-Muhaymin has bestowed on you blessings and disposed even more bounty yet. Do not despair from the blessings of your Lord when you are a fetus in the womb of your mother. Indeed, if he had wanted for you to enter the hellfire eternally, he would have never inspired your heart to Tawheed. And that's just incredible comfort that a person knows that if Allah, no matter how many sins I've committed, if Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala wanted me to enter the hellfire, he would have never inspired Tawheed in my heart. But the idea that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala watches over and has authority is the reality of this existence. And that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has authority over everyone, including those who try to abuse us, including those who try to oppress us, including those who try to kill us, including those who try to harm us. At the end of the day, I'm not in control of my life, but neither are they. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is the one who's in control. And what this reminds me of is just one verse of the Quran that I believe brings so much comfort. You know, we didn't talk about Al-Qadir, but Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala at the beginning of Surah Al-Mulk, He simply says, When a person is going through incredible difficulty, a verse like that can be something that you might find yourself reciting the entire night. Blessed in he is he who in his hand is the control of everything. Fine, it's not in my control, but it's not in their control either. It's in the control of the one who in his hand is the dominion of everything. And Allah is able to do all things. Allah is able to protect me. Allah is able to suffice me. Allah is able to sustain me. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is able to guide me in this life and the next. SubhanAllah, I guess this entire crisis has given light to so many of the names of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, to our iman, to our faith, to the reality of the zikr of Allah. And it has truly inspired us to come closer to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala through this calamity, through this. There's there's one name that we have to talk about when we're talking about Philistine. Yes, let's Al-Quddus. go. Al-Quddus. Al-Quddus, for sure. From Bayt al-Maqdus. Of course. Yeah. Al-Quds means a number of things. Quds. Qadasa, it means purity. Mm. And that's why a lot of times Al-Quddus is, is translated as the pure or the holy. And Al-Ard Al-Muqaddasa is the holy land. But Al-Quddus also means the source of barakah. And so it's not just the holy land, but it's also the blessed land. Mm. Al-Quds is not just the holy city, but it's the blessed city. Mm. And so it's blessed. It's a land that's blessed. It's blessed in its in the amount of scholars that have come out of Al-Ard Al-Muqaddasa, and that includes Syria, of course, and Lebanon, and Palestine, and, and Jordan. Look at the amount of, of scholars that have come out in, from that region in the Muslim world. Names like An-Nawi, and Ibn Taymiyyah, and Ibn Hajar al-Asqalani, they're all from that region. And then you have, and before them and after them, of course, and then you have 
the amount of profits that were sent, and that's even greater. I should have started with that, but the mm-hmm. amount of profits were sent there, the amount of revelation that came down there, the amount of martyrs that come from there. I mean, it's you know, it's amazing the amount of people that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala selects from that region. And then also you have the idea of the the blessing of the fruits there, the zaytun, and just if you're ever able to go there, mm-hmm. just the amount of of prevalence that they have there. In any case, there's just one aspect of this name that I want to mention, and that is the Prophet ﷺ, there's a hadith in Ibn Majah, where when the companions came back from Abyssinia, the Prophet ﷺ asked them, and he said, what's the most amazing thing that you saw in Abyssinia? And so one of them, he said, while we were walking, there was an old lady, she was a nun, and she was carrying a vessel of water on her head. And a young man came from behind her and he just pushed her down to the ground just for no reason. And so this lady got up and she looked at that young man and she said, you will come to know, O traitor, that on the day of judgment, when Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala sets up the kursi and feet and hands talk about what they used to earn, you will come to know about this affair between me and you very soon. So she's threatening him with the day of judgment. Mm. And the Prophet Sallallahu said, Sadaqat, Sadaqat. She's spoken the truth. She's spoken the truth. And then he said, How can Allah Subhanahu Wa Ta'ala honor a people whom the weak do not have a mechanism to secure their rights from the strong? How can Allah yuqaddis? How can Allah bless? How can Allah purify a people if the weak or the poor or whoever do not have the ability to secure their rights from the strong. And so we have to realize that for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to bless any community, if I want Australia to be blessed, hmm. do you guys say God bless Australia here? Not often. Okay, so in America, yes, it's a lot of God bless America. Yeah. You know, Sheikh Walid, he says, Sheikh uh, Walid he has a, a, a great comment. He says, in England, they make all of their du'as for the queen. The queen. God bless the queen. Yeah. That's why the Queen's house is huge and the British, their houses are so small because they're making all their dads for, the, <laughs> for, the, for the Queen. He said, but in America, everybody says, God bless America. So they're making dads for America. So you know what I mean? I, I don't know which one of you guys make dads for here. But if a person wants their country to be blessed, then you need to make sure that you secure the rights of the marginalized. If I want my family to be blessed, I make sure that I secure the rights of the marginalized, even within my family. You know, there's... There might be two people who are the loudmouths, they're the strong personalities. And so I kind of let them make all of the decisions. And, you know, you got that younger brother or that younger sister or that quiet person. And so their voice is often unheard. And, you know, their rights get trampled over because there are some strong personalities there. No, if I want my family to be blessed, I want my community to be blessed, I make sure that I secure the rights of those who are marginalized. And in us trying to secure the rights of our brothers and sisters in Palestine who are obviously not just marginalized but oppressed, then we are doing our part to try to bless our communities here because we don't want our communities, our countries to be a part of injustice. SubhanAllah. We, as long as we're in the help of others, Allah will be in the help of us. And that's the Absolutely. main thing. Absolutely. And SubhanAllah, we've seen that through this calamity, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has revived many hearts across the world. We're seeing non-Muslims embrace Islam. We're seeing Muslims themselves increase in their Iman and they are finding their hearts revived 
and connected closer to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Thank you so much, Sheikh Amr. My pleasure. It's been a pleasure having you all My the way pleasure, from Houston, man. Texas. Houston doesn't have a problem. I may have a problem, but definitely not Ammar, Sheikh Ammar. Allah, Allah, Allah bless you. My, my pleasure. We didn't even get to talk about all of your stuff, man. Inshallah for a future podcast. From the meaning of life to you're smashing that guy, whoever that guy was, the why, why I hate uh, Christianity. No, who is the guy who was making fun of the Prophet Stephen Crowder. Stephen Crowder. Where is this guy Allah now? Yahdi. Allah Yahdi. I mean, Allah Yahdi. I mean, did he ever show up again after you smashed him? Actually, no. no. Uh, so that's it, man. No. One shot and he was done. Alhamdulillah. <laughs> <laughs> the victories for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Until next time, assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh.